Okay, so continuing the conversation with Fabio Pavelli, 3D artist, NFT enthusiast, and uh, Nutella lover. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's talk about your art, Fabio. Uh, what inspires and drives Fabio Pavelli, the digital NFT artist? You've been doing art viz for and product visualization as well as some consulting and 3D community events like and what was the first artistic area that you wanted to explore in your NFTs journey? So, um, you know, to be honest with you, there is always been uh, the, this thing of me creating super colorful things. I, I love colors. I'm, I'm really a color addict. Um, have you ever been to the D2? Uh, not, uh, yeah, I haven't been. Anyway, if you are there you know, and you get to see me in person. This is also how I go around, you know, like uh, often I joke about it also with my wife because, you know, like I wear maybe a uh, a red t-shirt with green pants. I love colors, you know, and yeah. so I've always tried to, to put this into my art. Um, I've always done art since I was a little kid. Uh, when the NFTs came out, I went back to my hard drive and I found a lot of things that I've made over the years. Uh, and things have changed over time, you know, like uh, I just like to make beautiful things, you know. And oftentimes what happens is that I only have like 10 minutes during the day. And so I need to create something because I try to post at least once a day. I've done this for over a year. I tried also in the past to do it for uh, a little bit longer of a time, but I failed. Uh, but basically, the idea was always to try and create something uh, pretty. You know, I might consider it pretty. Some people might look at it and say it's total bullshit, it's total crap. That's okay. You know, I do it just as a way to create something. Uh, creativity really brings me joy when I do have something to share and show. Even if it's not perfect, it's just, it makes me feel good. And so I put it out there for people to enjoy it. Uh, if they, people get inspired, then great, fantastic. It makes me happy. If they don't, hey, look, you know, I'm not trying to be somebody who I'm not. Uh, would I like to make better things? Of course, absolutely. Uh, right now, thank God, I'm very busy with like commercial work and so I'm getting to spend everyday time doing things for clients. Uh, but there, there were times where, you know, the, the tasks that I had to do were incredibly boring. And so having a creative outlet where I could make something every single day would sort of like bring me back that joy of creating, right? And I think that as an artist, you owe it to yourself because otherwise, you know, you can get sad doing the job that you once loved. Um, and I do think that you can engineer, so to say, love towards your job if you know how to control your emotions. And if you, if you do, you know, make the, 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 the effort every single day to create something. Yeah, that's like finding, finding your probably your, your way that... The way that works for you, like with creation, like I, I want to talk about this because I've heard in one of your interviews on another podcast that you said this was like a one-year bet with yourself 
like doing this uh, daily arts. It's like the Beeple case, right? He's, he's doing the, the dailies for so many years and it kind of works for him. And I've always wondered about that because I, I've, I've been doing some projects with like monthly challenges, such as, you know, this uh, 36 days of type or Inktober, just to, just to make myself like <coughs> dive into a particular area of art that I love uh, to make. Uh, and it kind of worked sometimes, but sometimes, you know, you just f fall into this trap of, of, you know, just doing that, that for the sake of doing the art every day and not like not every type of art can be done that way. Like, of course, this like this yes. is a specific approach and it can kind of has specific results that are possible in that area. But some projects just need just need longer time span to mature, to, you know, to to dive into different aspects of the, of the creation. So uh, I wanted to ask you, how, uh, how, how does it work for you, like this daily approach? Everything that of... you said, everything that you said resonates with me 100%. Um, like there, there are times where I'm doing the stuff and I'm hating it doing it because I'm like, I could spend a little bit more time and do something even better or a lot more creative. Uh, but however, in my situation, it's a little bit particular because of the career that I've had. I come from archivists and then I found myself becoming a consultant. You know, I worked for the guys at V-Ray. I worked for the guys at uh, V-Ray for Cinema 4D before it was bought by Chaos Group. Uh, I worked for different uh, software developer companies, content creation companies. I've had sort of like different uh, clients. Um, and so, you know, at a certain point as an artist, I was a little bit confused because I did not know in which direction to go. Um, I do feel like artistically I'm still there a little bit. Like I do know what I like, but I uh, often have to fight with myself to sort of like say, okay, Fabio, this is who you are. Um, and I also despise labels at the same time. And so I do not want to put a name on me and say, Fabio, this is the type of artist that you are. No, I use this daily just to say, you know what? Fuck it. Today I'm going to do something. If it comes out good, it'll be good. Often it's not good. <laughs> Often it's terrible. And I invite everybody to, you know, go and see my Instagram. No shame in it, you know. Uh, some art is really crap. It really is. Uh, but again, I'm not doing it to please anybody. I'm just doing it because I'm like, what can I do in a day, one hour, sometimes, you know, even three hours, sometimes 10 minutes. What can I do? Can I create beauty um, out of nothing? And the answer is, eh, yeah, kind of. <laughs> Or some, sometimes, uh, but right? it's okay, you know. It's yeah, it's uh, you know, I do stuff, and it's 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 uh, it's good. It's okay. Yeah, I guess you know this. This also maybe comes down to to allowing yourself, like like you said, allowing yourself to be uh, yeah, to to do, to just fail, right? That's that's what I love, particular about particularly about you know drawing with ink, which I pr practice myself. You're very uh, talented, man. Uh, this is like the the cool thing about you know watercolors and ink is is that you you know you put the paint or or the ink on the paper and it's just there you can't erase it there's no undo right so so you gotta just go with the flow and if it just if you don't hit that uh, you know that line that you wanted okay you just 
you just have to learn to accept it, right? And that's uh, that's kind of a nice way because I've, uh, like uh, as artists, I think we are often, you know, often blocked by this perfectionist approach that it has to be this top notch, you know, your best artwork ever, right? Whenever you try to create something new, but then, well, sometimes it it will be, sometimes it won't, right? So it's it's. Yeah, most time it won't yeah exactly but in order to finally reach that you know that peak you have to you know go through the valleys and different ups and downs right during the process uh, i wanted to also ask you about the because you've you've uh, you've quite a high variety of things that you're experimenting with uh, with like uh, some artworks that are kind of like storytelling you know more realistic uh, or or Let's call it surreal or uh, mixing, you know, your Arcvis background with, with different stuff. Uh, and some are like purely abstract, like just shapes, colors. Let's, as you said, you love colors. Like I wanted to ask which one, like which, which side is closer to your heart, like total ab abstraction or like building some stories in art? The, the story part. Uh, I love telling stories, you know, like uh, even with the videos that I was doing on YouTube, they were basically stories all the time, you know. Um, if I had a lot more time and also like uh, the chance to to uh, to go back and practice a little bit, you know, uh, sculpting, things like that, I would most likely go and... Uh, and work more on characters, that kind of stuff, you know. Um, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to do it in the next future. Uh, but as of now, the, the stuff that I'm doing for my clients are also like uh, animations, you know, uh, things that usually do tell a story. Um, but I also get a lot of pleasure out of making uh, abstract geometrical work. One of my... Most favorite artist is Peter Tarka. Mm -hmm. You probably know him, you know, he does all these abstracts and they seem very easy, but they're actually so difficult because, you know, like, um, the, there must, you need to have a certain mastery in managing very simple, basic shapes. Uh, Color palettes are very difficult to use to be used um, in um, conjunction with like basic shapes, uh, and it's. I think that this is where the genius of that guy is: is that it makes it look like it's very simple, but it's not. And I guarantee you, try to take one of his artworks and reproduce it. You know, in the act of reproducing it, you're going to question whether or not what you're doing makes any sort of sense because like he i think he has achieved perfection in everything that he does and try to copying him copying him and emulate him it will really show you how difficult it is to to create beautiful beautifully pleasing aesthetics yeah I, f I found myself you know also studying and copying uh, artists like I, I was digging more into traditional art uh, uh, you know artists like old masters like Rembrandt and uh, people like that but yeah it, it kind of gives you the idea of of uh, th th why things are looking nice and what is what it is that makes them like trying to break down 
these kind of artworks. And then you realize how much you might, might miss in your artworks as well. I think it's a great, a great uh, idea for artists, right? And abstract as well. It's like people sometimes, you know, joke about art uh, that is abstract, that is, so, you know, maybe because of the manifesto artworks that were in the beginning of the art, uh, uh, that movement, like like Kazimir Malevich, like the, the white, the white square on white background and images like that. They, they were kind of like manifesto images, but uh, yeah. people hey, but think, you know, you you'll put find a, the... Put a bunch of shapes yeah. and... But you'll find a lot of affinity you'll find a lot of affinity for instance with the work of pack you know pack mm. the, the the nft artist no i'm not i, I haven't seen so it, but i'll gladly know something new if you compare his work to the one of um the painter that you just mentioned i, I forgot the name now you see Malef that's uh, that's the Ma Malvich, yes, sorry. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, the this is my uh, seniority kicking in. <laughs> um, you'll find a lot of like um, um, affinity, right? So, so talking about the other artists, like maybe masters from the from the past. I wanted to ask you about collaborations, which is kind of like a thing in the NFT world, but in art in general, right? So collaborations with other artists. Are you doing this kind of projects uh, already, or or maybe you yes? Wish? Actually, the um, and, and that's the beautiful thing is that now I'm collaborating <coughs> on commercial works with some of the artists that I've always looked up to, and so you know, like um, now we're completing a work with the guys from Alt Shift. Do you know the company? I've heard the name. That just something you know. Something's resonating. They're, they're with... based in Germany. Patrick Fogel is the founder, <coughs> a really good friend of mine. But now we're actually working on a on a project together. Uh, we're having so much fun. Uh, I worked on projects together with uh, uh, Lemni Perez. She's a famous uh, art, uh, um, NFT artist in the NFT space. We're still working together. Uh, I did a project with Francesco Schito, great Italian artist. We haven't released the project yet. I'm I'm getting myself busy, you know. Like uh, I, I'm using this as a chance to uh, sort of like uh, have a dialogue with other artists to see if there is anything that I can learn. And the answer is yes, there is a lot of things that I can learn. So if you, if there was someone that you're not yet collaborating with, but you know, maybe let's limit that to living living artists right now, uh, would there be some kind of like a dream collaboration of yours that you would love to? There to are have? quite a few artists that I would like to collaborate with. Uh, Yambo being one of them, uh, Nichillo, another one. Uh, there is Amin Farah, great artist, the Black Club Studio. Um, Peter Tarka would be another one. Uh, Benoit Chalan, it's uh, an artist from France. Great work that he does. Um, there are many uh, offices that I would like to collaborate with. But of course, you know, it's, uh, it's not as simple as to say, let's collaborate. There must be an affinity also in terms of styles. I look up to those people. Uh, I do not expect them to call me tomorrow after they watch the interview. <laughs> Uh, 
but you know, like, um, it's okay. You know, I do understand that we're on different journeys and maybe one day there will be a company that will come to me and say, we love what you do. Let's work together. Yeah, hopefully. So, uh, is like, is there like a clear direction, like a goal that you set for your art? Uh, whether this would be an artistic goal, philosophical, I don't know, or a business goal that you're setting yourself for, like in the NFT space, or are you just right now going with the flow and see what happens? I'm enjoying the ride. I've decided to continue making art despite the NFT world. To me, the NFT world is irre irrelevant. Uh, meaning, of course, it's there and we're paying attention, but I make art for myself. That's it. I'm going to continue doing it no matter what, uh, hopefully for a very long time. Um, it doesn't matter. If I fail at NFTs and nobody decides to buy my art, what can I say? I have did my best. I tried really my best. Um, but I need to keep making art for myself. That's, that's the thing. Okay, so uh, let's maybe switch a little uh, topic a little bit because around let, correct me correct me if I'm wrong, but around two years ago you've switched to Blender uh, from yes. using Cinema. Uh, no, a year ago. A year ago. Oh, so it's time. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe this is due to the pandemic that everything seems like yeah, longer time. Faster. <laughs> so, no, I st I I think I did my first like that I modeled and everything, November 2020. So yeah, it's close to two years. You're right. Sorry, huh? my, uh, my apology. Okay, but the full switch probably happened later, right? Just after the first experience. It's like, I remember my first encounter with Blender. It was like, yeah, it was hard. But, I, but I, I'm um, like an old veteran of Blenders, I was using it. But I, I'm lucky because I already came with a new interface, you know? Mm, yeah, yeah. I started with this old, old one with the buttons down below, like 2.40 yeah. something. <laughs> I don't remember even the exact version, but 2.4 something. Uh, so uh, what was your, what was the reason behind that decision? And what was your impression of Blender? So the reason was that uh, as long as I was working for the guys at Chaos um, and uh, before, you know, at the, the, the office uh, where I was working before in Vienna, uh, I was getting the free license of Cinema 4D and I loved it. I was actually doing a lot of uh, archivist work with Cinema 4D, which is, you know, like for many people still very weird because you think of 3ds Max when you think of Archivist, right? Um, but it was a great tool. It still is a great tool, and I think it's it's a fantastic tool to use. But I did, you know, I did not want to spend money for a license. I never did have to spend money. Um, I'm a Rhino instructor, and I work for a company that makes me do uh, still trainings for companies, and so. I never had to pay for the Rhino license either. Uh, so, you know, I never had to pay for any software other than uh, um, the Adobe Suite. And so when this happened, this happened, I was like, oh, God damn it, now I need to learn Blender. And I did, it took me like one week. In one week I could do stuff, you know, I could already like, 
one week I was already like, I think, making some short YouTube tutorials. <laughs> Right. And, you know, the reason why I'm, I made the tutorials is because when you make the tutorials, you learn for yourself. It's it's a crazy exactly. thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've, I've, when I started making my own tutorials, I was thinking like, wow, there's so much I need to learn. Like, I don't know all the answers. But then again, you know something, right? And during the process of making the tutorial, you kind of explore even more and then you just share your knowledge. And I've seen like people doing tutorials also just to just not to forget some kind of technique that they taught to, to themselves. I do that and, too. Yeah, just like a memory, you know, uh, a backup of your learning process, right? Uh, so, um, well, that question maybe is irrelevant, as you said. Uh, I wanted to ask about Cinema 4D, whether you use it, but if you don't have the license, probably not. So maybe other things that annoy you in Blender. Like something that's missing uh, or, or working not the way that you expect? You know, as far as I'm concerned, everything that I use it for works great. Um, I would like to see, but you see, we're really nitpicking. I would like to see a little bit more of a, um, like, MoGraph solutions. Like, you know, this is the, the only thing that I really miss from uh, Cinema 4D, um, to have the ability to use cloners and all that kind of stuff, you know? Now, with the node editor, this is sort of like being brought in. Yeah, exactly. That's what but, I wanted uh, to ask about the geometry nodes. Have you ever, ever like, dabbled in that area or not yet or just, like, watching? I, I started to do a, a couple of uh, tutorials. I did some animations, if you go and see on my Instagram page, which are actually cool. But uh, the thing is that the MoGraph and the, 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 the module on Cinema 4D is just perfect. This is something that, you know, like, they should license it, you know. I'd be willing to pay 20 bucks a month just to use the MoGraph, you know, like, on Blender. Mm -hmm. If there was sort of like a... a um, uh standalone version that could somehow translate geometry into blender i would be happy to to pay money for that because mograph is a lot of fun i have to say yeah i guess i guess this you know this is just like thing developing so probably something <coughs> quite alike or maybe it's something totally different will emerge like from what i've seen like when the first version of the geometry nodes came out it was like uh, everyone was kind of excited about this. This, this is promising, but uh, just like two releases after the first one, it already is like super, super broad and powerful. Like I don't know if you've seen seen uh, things done by Blender SE, like the uh, on Twitter. It's, it's his name, right? Blender SE. He's doing like generators of uh, of you know whole villages. Like you can you can generate uh -huh, a village. Yeah, yeah. I think I saw that. Yes. Yeah, and a bunch of other things that, that he's doing. Like, uh, I've seen him do like a pigeon generator, uh, power line generator, like everything that's created just uh, procedurally. And I can imagine, you know, if it's possible right now, like in a few years, it will be like super powerful, you know, when it's developed at this, at this pace. The, the, the Blender people should release sort of like a better documentation and maybe some tutorials you know where they really cover everything because it's a 
it is complex i have to say yeah yeah i guess i guess the whole you know this, this whole development is kind of like it's done in the open and it's a little bit like so, sometimes it's a little bit chaotic maybe and more developer oriented than the user oriented sometimes in in, in especially in this kind of which parts. is like the old blender yeah and it's trying they are always trying to invent things like from scratch i guess this is the approach which has sometimes its drawbacks like that that blender is not like the industry standard because they are trying to kind of like reinvent the wheel sometimes but it also has some pretty much you know pretty uh, heavy advantages because they can really sometimes propose better solutions than 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 the industry standard because you know industry standard sometimes it's not like the best possible solution is this is this solution that just came out at the time when it was needed and then it matured but it's sometimes you know we kind of re repeat uh, and to get used to things that are not done in the perfect way as well so i guess you know this kind of like revolutionary approach sometimes might be might be also beneficial well, and in some cases, it's just annoying, right? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> uh, so I guess, I guess I want uh, I wanted to ask about the, uh, an area of Blender that you haven't yet touched. Like you, you mentioned sculpting, maybe like for, for whatever reason, but you always wanted to touch some something. I don't know, scripting, whatever. Uh, there, there I've so actually many. done sculpting. Sculpting, it's it's okay. For me, like I would like to spend more time sculpting. I guess that's what I was trying to say. Um, what I haven't touched, which I think it's amazing, and I see people doing crazy things with it, it's the whole grease pencil and two D animation stuff. Yeah, exactly. That's. Uh, but you know, this is like it's. Uh, it seems to me so far away from. Uh, from uh, everything that I do, that I'm like, do I really want to go that way? I also suck at drawing. Like my drawings, they look like uh, terrible, and uh, I don't know. Like, but it's it's great to know that there is the actual possibility. I mean, it's crazy. You know, this is one yeah. platform. You got a video editor inside. You got uh, 2D. You got you got everything. You got a compositor. You got you got everything. It's it's an yeah. amazing software. Exactly. That's that. That's you know, uh, grease pencil is kind of like one one thing that I, uh, I found when when it came out the way it it came out uh, because at first it was just like an an annotation tool, nothing more. But someone just had the idea of turning it into a full fledged you know two D animation, and also being able to combine it with with three D. It's like super powerful, and it was like uh, it's, it was like the first super innovative thing in Blender. Like it wasn't like Blender catching up on other software. It was it was like something that the other software didn't have. Right? It was the first yeah. thing that that really was stepping up, uh, and it still is, I think. You know, and I've seen people doing stuff, and I've also wanted to dabble in it. They are they are they are developing, I think, like ways of converting uh, converting you know three D meshes into blend uh, into grease pencil. Like there are ways to you know skip the drawing part a little bit, and it's like it's super powerful. I've seen like uh, animations doing this mix mix of three D traditional three D with like overlays uh, in two D like with FX you know like fire whatever additional things and mix mixing these two and like the things that Jama Jurabaev did like. 
using mm-hmm. pencil for for concepting and then turning into into meshes like super crazy powerful things that are possible with that it is it's it's out of this world and i still can't believe that it's free that's that's even greater <laughs> yeah so i guess we we can just encourage all the audience to try blender whether you're using anything else like you don't need to limit even if you're paying the subscriptions for expensive software it's always good to have something you know something on the side is it a tool for really for everyone right so maybe maybe let's turn back a little bit to the nfts uh, and um, i wanted to you know to uh, to invite uh, the audience to to take a look at your nfts where where can they find you and what did you did you start you know uh, offering your your artworks on the open markets or curated galleries where, where where people can find your art so i i did quite a few drops with curated galleries uh, one of them is brighthold the other one is the uh, uh meta art club which is a, uh, a curated selection of uh, artists um but as of now i don't really have any more art for sale there is one um one piece which is called uh, love forever which i made for san valentine's because a company reached out to me and said oh we want to do a drop with you and then the company backed out at the last minute it's okay um but then i decided to donate that artwork for the cause in ukraine i've also donated other artworks for the the cause in ukraine there are some curators that are now um trying to sell the art to send the money to Ukraine. And I think this is a great initiative, of course, because of what is happening. Um, but yeah, I'm, for now, I'm not planning to do any more NFT art. I really don't want to lose focus on, you know, the brand that I'm building, my own uh, consulting design company for the metaverse. Uh, there are a lot of exciting projects that are coming in. Uh, other projects that are ongoing, which I think are going to shape the way we interact with the uh, metaverse in the future. Um, and this brings me joy. So, you know, that's it. All right. So I guess if if any of our listeners or people watching on YouTube uh, want to check out, they, they should just Google Fabio Pelvelli, right? And they can find your social media there is way too much information about me out there (laughs) (laughs) yeah so fabio palvelli as an nft (laughs) so you know it's like you're you're out in the open i'll I'll, I'll sell myself as an nft yeah transferred to web web (laughs) three okay so thank you thank you again for for accepting the invitation it was a great conversation and i hope also, our audience will enjoy it. And... I really hope so. And, you know, in uh, <clears throat> the, just one thing that I always have started to say to people, uh, you know, like I get invited to a lot of these conversations and it's okay. You know, we want to hear the opinion of different people. Uh, but if at any point you find that what I shared with you, it's not motivational enough or it makes you change your idea about any of the plans that you might have. Uh, fuck me, you know, like you don't have to listen to me. Just go and do your thing. 
you're probably onto something. This is the 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 actual definition of innovation. You know, you cannot talk about innovation. Innovation happens tomorrow, and so you might be onto the next innovation. Do your thing, and don't be afraid to fail. You're going to be fine. Yeah. Like thanks, thanks for that quote. Like inspirational. It's Sorry, I, I swore on your channel. Is, <laughs> is your channel? I guess we're Christian friendly. <laughs> I, can, I guess we can, you know, beep it out in the in the post from okay. something. <laughs> anyway, that the quote uh, that you don't talk about uh, about innovation. Uh, it kind of reminds me of one of my favorite movies, the the, the Fight Club. Right, <laughs> the first the first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. So it's like. <laughs> Innovation is like a fight club. You have to fight. If it's your first, if it's your first night in innovation, you have to fight. Okay. So thanks again, Fabio, and I hope we will see you somewhere, some in some bright future in the metaverse. DJ, thanks a lot for the invitation. I really hope that your listeners got any sort of value out of this. Surely. So thanks again. Bye.